from Coffee House. We are looking at comments over the last couple of months, and again, I am still afflicted by the great pollen migration of this particular season, so uh, keep that in mind. I apologize for the sound. But we've had a number of comments, and I wanted to talk about a couple of them just to address the community and see where we are. So, we've got a comment from Enzo Bormans. The comment says, great video. So, good comment. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. That one works. Another comment, Michael Collins says, quote, I really enjoyed listening to this. This particular historic, historical atrocity has always fascinated me more than most, primarily due to the sheer levels of depravity and inhumanity displayed on a systematic level. There's really nothing like it, and it's even more horrifying that so few today are aware of its existence in the first place. Really appreciate you covering this. It was a great listen. End quote. That was on the video The Rape of Nan King, which was, it had the same effect on me. Reading that book and learning about this atrocity was uh, utterly shocking. And it's incredible. The myopia that we have for the 20th century, it's Godwin's law of the 20th century that we only look at the atrocities that were perpetrated by the regime that had the best advertising, you know, the best uh, regalia and symbols that were most resonant throughout the, the century. Uh, and we miss, you know, the things that Stalin... The things that Mao and the Japanese did around this time. That was the details of In the Rape of Nanking were utterly horrific. It was, for me, it was the worst thing that I had ever heard that people did. So it's good, you know, it's good that something, that I got to put something out there that broadened knowledge about this thing. And for this uh, commenter, much appreciated that you feel the same way. So another comment, Nicola Ablett, this is on, where was this? Oh, It Is Obscene by uh, Chimamanda and Gozi, is that what her name is? But so the quote is, male review of an amazing woman does pretty well. Women have ovaries and wombs and there's a differentiation in that biological fact. Mentee behaved out with the mentorship agreement. Honesty and integrity are critical in how we behave with ourselves and each other. The mentee, this all in caps, the mentee is hugely disappointing. Real abuse of the mentor, emotional intelligence and respect. So this has uh, got to be, you know, English as a second language, but it's much appreciated. A lot of good sentiments here related to it. I, I love that I've been uh, correctly categorized as a, a male reviewer. It was my male review of An Amazing Woman. So there's got to be, and I think this particular video has a disproportionate number of views related to the other ones. So I think that she in particular, this particular author, has a lot of following throughout the rest of the world. And I only think, because I had looked at some of the other things that she wrote, I really only think that we aligned on this one topic, and that otherwise there were some questionable things that, that she had to express in a lot of her other writings. But whatever the case, I mean, yeah, the mentee was weird in that uh, in that article and was horrible to this person who was trying to help her out. Of course, I only have the perspective of the writer, but it seemed accurate to the kinds of people that we have today, especially in young people who just feel entitled to everything. So thank you for the comment. Another one, this one is from Hunter Stiles. This is on the Speechless by Michael Knowles episode. So, quote, Also, now that I've actually watched the full video, hard disagree that the existence of God isn't something we can know for certain. I was a hardened anti-theist for the better part of a decade, burned so many bridges in my pointless crusade against religion, but even someone as far gone as me was still able to find Jesus, and I found him in my attempts to mock him. Finding Jesus is like getting hit by a train. It's not something you think can ever happen until it does, and then it hits you like few things possibly can. End quote. So that's wonderful, you know, great comment. Obviously, this is a very, very important topic. And I have certainly softened my position when it comes to religion over the years because I've seen what happens when you don't have it. And I don't feel as strident 
in rejecting a lot of the claims of religion because there is a some kind of a, a nuanced area between like we've talked about empirical and archetypal communication and empirical and archetypal truths because we are at the end of the day uh, pretty sloppy primates and there are different ways that we have to understand the world our brains aren't built for understanding they're built for surviving so it's it's a very complex topic for us to try to puzzle out. And the whole concept of God, it's not something that we really have the capacity to understand what we're really saying about it when we when we try to say it. And it would be shockingly ludicrous to think that all the details were ironed out and figured out by a bunch of goat herders a few thousand years ago. They just had it all nailed down. But anyway, so when it comes to the comment, uh, what's interesting about it is that the first sentence, uh, it takes issue with the fact that I had said that we can't know that the, about the existence of God with certainty. But then the rest of it, like the explanatory part, just talks about kind of the emotional connection that one can have to uh, Jesus or the idea of God. So obviously those things can be very distinct. <laughs> and it's one thing to make an argument that I know for certain that this is empirically true. I know for certain this is archetypally true. And I have an emotional connection to the thing being true. Uh, those are different things. So it's not something that I'm going to do anymore to try to disabuse anybody of belief in an archetypal truth that is beneficial to not just them, but to civilization in general. But there is a, a logical honesty that we have to maintain when it comes to actually talking about the empirical questions. So anyway, thank you very much. Uh, so Tomahawk on the next one, this is on the rise and fall of the Third Reich, which I've only done one part of that so far. It's a massive book and I love it, but it just never seems like the the time or tone <laughs> doesn't feel like the right time or season anymore to read about the Third Reich. So anyway, quote, great channel, subscribed extremely fast after looking at all of your books. As someone that has recently gotten more into reading, you cover a lot of the books and subjects that I'm interested in hearing about. Thanks for the great summaries, end quote. So this is like the perfect person that I'm looking for out there in the world is the person who has an interest in all of these various topics and just wanted some kind of an outlet to explore them and discuss them and expand their understanding of the world. So much appreciated. This comment, Tomahawk, this commenter. Uh, yes, exactly. Thank you very much. And we will definitely keep going. I've got a ton of them coming out very soon. And then we're going to have uh, many more after this. I had a lot going on with work and uh, I, I still do, but it's, it's categorically different from what I had before, so I should be able to keep these things up for a little while. We got a comment on from Rich on 30 Tyrants, which is another popular episode, which I absolutely love doing. This is something that was very interesting to learn about, but so Rich says, quote, they playing chess, bro. We moving stones. Damn, the elite got this wrapped up, but for the love of God, Trump is as bad as any of them. He probably gets money from CCP, end quote. So, uh, the first part, uh, I cannot <laughs> argue against that in any way, shape, or form. They're definitely playing chess while we're just shuffling stones around. It's really just a difference in kind, the game that they're playing relative to us. The thing that strikes me the most is that I think most people have this kind of sense of personal integrity that if it's something that's going to benefit themselves, that they would rather side with what's true and what's honest, something that you could sleep at night with, rather than being completely duplicitous to the benefit of, you know, a ruling class or something like that. But it doesn't seem like most of the media has that feeling. They don't have that little thing in the back of their head that is, is uh, nagging them to be honest about this stuff. And that really worries me. That's something that really worries me. 
same for the politicians. So, but the fact that they're playing chess, yes. The reality is we we can wallow in lamentation about it, or we can start playing chess, or playing, you know, or some game they've never even heard of. Maybe Go takes us another step. But we have to play them on their field. Uh, that's just the reality of it. I know a lot of us want to issue our responsibility to kind of step into the breach when it comes to fighting the kinds of forces that we have to fight here, but there's no excuse. We have to do it. This is the calling that we have to meet, and uh, I am definitely going to be fighting every moment of every day to try to do that, and I know I have my my times of weakness where I just want to wilt and you know sit around, play a video game, or just take it easy for a few moments, but what was it? There's some quote <laughs> from uh, Apocalypse Now that every, every day that Charlie's squatting in the bush, they get strong and every day that I'm, you know, here in this hotel, I get weaker or something like that. So we we have to we have to step in. That's just that's just the reality of the situation. Um, the second part about Trump, Trump had the best policies that I saw in my lifetime, but he did for sure spend like absolutely crazy. He didn't fix that in any way whatsoever. It could have been just a, a ploy to win re-election because cutting benefits and all those kinds of things, those are just toxic for re-election. But I most certainly don't think that uh, he's just simply the answer. Uh, he's a uh, hilarious guy. He's genuinely funny. He's genuinely a funny guy. And I think he does understand a lot that people don't just because he looks at things in terms of the negotiation first and that's it. And he's, he's not a prevaricator. You know, he doesn't, he's not a, he's not a bullshitter in the way that politicians are usually bullshitters. He exaggerates absolutely everything. So you, you can calibrate your understanding of what he's saying because he's, he's got a kind of radical honesty in his exaggeration that you can calibrate to understand. But anyway, um, you know, I don't know with any kind of specificity or certainty that, that Trump has any kind of ties to the CCP. Uh, it's much more likely that our current, <laughs> that our current leader does. But it's very possible, and I don't think he's the savior that people want him to be. And I think people are realizing that he's not the savior, uh, even if he did do such incredible things during the time that he had. So uh, next one, and thanks, Rich. That's excellent, excellent comment. Next one is Bill. This one is on Black Rednecks and White Liberals, one of the most important books that anybody can read. Quote, Thomas Sowell and his works are a serious course of study. You could actually build courses around the man, and it would be completely worthy. More important than people know, so keep preaching. End quote. Thank you. Yes, this is like the, the next sentiment that is the most important when we're talking about what we need to do and what I'm trying to do here is get more Thomas Sowell out there. I don't care what means we need to use to do it. If we could get every student to read Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell, then the world would be at least a thousand percent better. At least. Just by doing that one thing. That is the one book, if anybody ever asked me, that is the one book that I think every single human being should read. Uh, read it to your children in the womb. I don't care. Just get get this thing read. And then the next one, Black, Red, Next, and White Liberals. Anybody who has a question about racism and the history of race in the United States and what it means in a, on a macro scale, international scale, read that book. Read that book and you'll have a much better grasp on what's going on. Anyway, so that's going to be your quotes for this episode. Much, much appreciated. It's great to start conversations that way. I would love to have a Reddit where for each book we could have discussions specifically about the book and then we could expand upon those in episodes and then have a, you know some guests on to talk about it. But uh, I'm just not adept at all those things yet and don't have quite the time to be able to do it. But we'll get that ironed out at some point. But whatever the case, you know, it was great reading these comments. I hope you leave a whole bunch more over the next couple of months, and then we'll we'll do this again for a one-off episode. But I hope all is well, and I will see you on the next one. <laughs>